There's the windup. And a hit. Going out to right field. Hits out of the park and gone. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the second round of the Dirty Jersey Podcast. My name is Zach Anderson. I am your host, alongside co-hosts Tyler Persina and Aaron Parker. You guys can go ahead and introduce yourselves real quick and say hi to everybody out there. Yes, sir. How are we doing, guys? We are all wearing baseball jerseys today in honor of the Dirty Jersey Podcast. Figured we uh, we would put some action to it. I am debuting a Roberto Clemente road gray jersey. And Tyler, what do you have on? Well, I got on a... Um a Ricky Henderson, like what? What year did you say this was from? Eighty uh, something. It looks like it looks like the beginning of his career. So I'm, I'm talking eighties, yeah. probably. Yeah, I got this in Cooperstown. I really like it. It's um, you know, it's got no buttons. It's like you're wearing a shirt, basically. Yep, that's how mine is too. I like it. It's the um, it's the old baseball 1970s yeah. kind of a uh, pullover <laughs> feel uh, that they all had back then. I wish some of them would would come back, make a make <laughs> a return. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I'm wearing the classic Cardinals cream with Arnado on the back. And this is actually my first jersey I ever got, like, I think in any sport. I, I mean, if you count my old Russell Wilson Seahawks jersey, but that thing was kind of junk. Um, this I, is my first ever jersey I got, and I actually got it from Aaron. Yep, because, hooked you up with it. Yeah, you kind of hooked me up with it because <laughs> you bought it, and then I don't think you, you didn't want it anymore, right? And then you sold it to me, right? <laughs> I bought it. size, right, or something no, like that? No, it's the right size. It's a large. I bought it because there was a sale. Um, but I had my sights set on the baby blue Arenado, yeah, which yeah. I have still not gotten, by the way. Um, wait, wait, you <laughs> ordered it and it's still in the mail? No, no, no. I have never pulled the trigger on it. Oh, okay. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Um, so I, was I like, thought you meant you ordered it and it just never showed up. I'm like, how long ago was that? <laughs> no, no. We're talking like last year on this. Okay, no, I got awesome. it and I was like, you know what? The cream's nice, but I wanted the blue. So I was, you know, I was like, let's give it to Zach. And then I ended up getting myself a blue Cardinals jersey with Paul Goldschmidt on the back. So it... It worked out for me, I guess. But anyways, uh, today for Dirty Jersey, we got a lot on the table for you guys. We are going to talk some West Virginia baseball as well as the newest week of the MLB season. And a lot has happened, but we will get onto that after some West Virginia baseball. And, you know, West Virginia baseball, to start on them, you know, they made Sports Center this week. And <laughs> it was not for anything positive. They did nothing that J.J. Weatherhold, the best second baseman in the league, or the uh, country, excuse me, did. It was because of a basically of an error that ended up being a inside the park home run. Yeah, that's truly um, the only way West Virginia gets on Sports <laughs> Center. You know, um, it was a, like a little swinging bunt by a Penn State hitter. Ball gets thrown over the first baseman's head. Uh, this is bases loaded, by the way. Bases loaded. Yeah. Mountaineers are up six one going into this inning. Um, throw over the uh, first baseman's head. Two or three runs score. Uh, the throw home to the catcher gets past the catcher. And then there's a guy standing on third. All three runs have scored at this point. And the catcher kind of stands there and watches the ball. And the other guy who uh, who put the ball in play comes around to score. So very embarrassing. Um, that was really tough to watch. Yeah, and the Mountaineers have lost three of their last four now. They lost two in a series versus Kansas. Uh, got the win on Sunday. And we'll talk about Raleigh Porco and then his start in that Sunday game. That was a really impressive performance by him but they lost to Penn State 11 to 6 I believe was the final score in yep 11 yeah. 6 9 WV pitchers used Grant yeah, Siegel was so the starter he was the former Sunday starter on the weekend series um, he's kind of lost his spot um, in his first season in Morgantown but um, he pitched three innings and then Maisie had to go and you know kind of bleed into the bullpen there nine well, pitchers used well, was that the game that they had the big um, with the the sixth inning 
Right, they gave yeah. up like seven State, runs in one. Yeah, inning. they were, the Mountaineers yeah. were up s- six to one, yeah. right? And they gave up seven runs in one inning yeah, to make it eight to six. Four, and then they four never runs on mm-hmm. the one play. On yeah, it was one four hand. runs on one play because it was a grand slam inside mm-hmm. the park home run, which is just <laughs> the weirdest thing of all time. Because I mean, just so many errors in that play. That, that play, something I've never seen in baseball. And I've only watched for a short time. You guys have watched much longer than I have. I've never seen that. Well, it felt like I was watching uh, little league highlights. So <laughs> that was uh, not fun to watch. Um, I think two errors were scored on that play. It mm-hmm. should have been three or four, but whatever. I mean, I, I saw a Twitter comment this week about that play, and somebody said you'd be hard-pressed to find that at a Little League practice. <laughs> and I think that is <laughs> yeah. interesting to say. I mean, that, that's definitely a, a, a tough take. Yeah. but Good uh, way of putting it. Yeah. Any, anyways, I, d- I don't want to walk past Siegel anyway, either because he had a bad start on that game against uh, Penn State. But do you guys think he's going to move into a – I guess I should say, is he going to move into a midweek starter rather than a weekend starter, you think? Well, that's what the that's what it looks like right now. I mean, I had a lot of hope for him coming from Tulane, a uh, pretty solid baseball program there. Um, I don't have his stats pulled up right now, but he had a very efficient freshman year uh, with the Green Wave. I think he went like 7-1 and one with a mm-hmm. pretty good ERA. Um, so to get him, I was pretty excited about him. He's got some command issues. Um, you know, I think there's some speed there, but he has not been very good on these Sunday games. And as we move into Big 12 play, um, I guess that's not good enough for Maisie, and you know he lost his Sunday spot uh, spot to Porco last Sunday, and now he pitched in the midweek game. So I could see him coming out of the bullpen or being a midweek starter. And you know, uh, actually, Siegel out of the bullpen would be—I think that'd be a good move for West Virginia personally. But um, anyways, um, I do want to mention Porco because you just mentioned him in passing. But on that Sunday start against Kansas, twelve strikeouts, and he won Big Twelve Co-Pitcher of the Week. Yeah, that's what the Mountaineers needed. I mean, your two biggest guys are Ben Hampton and Blaine Traxel, and you have your first home Big 12 series. You lose on Friday, you lose on Saturday, and then you throw out the freshman, and he goes out there and gives you 12 Ks. Um, so that was big to not get swept. To get swept by Kansas as a ranked team, not that Kansas is horrible, but like that that would have hurt, yeah. especially because this weekend you got to go to Stillwater and play a ranked Oklahoma State team. Um, so that was big by the freshman, and you know that probably earned himself plenty more starts for the rest of the season. You know, I was at this for, or sorry, uh, Friday. I was at the first game of the Kansas series, and it, I mean, the game was only five to three, but it seemed like the pitchers did not have control. I mean, and I don't mean control as in wild pitches. I mean as in, in control of the game, like control of the batters, right. control of the pace, everything. You know, it seemed like. West Virginia was a little bit out of control in that sense. Right. The Friday game was the, the only one I really tuned in into um, as far as, you know, watching on TV and, man, the weather. Uh, oh, yeah, did, that, that, that didn't help, of course. It did yeah. not look pretty, but, you know, there's no excuses. It's baseball, and, you know, if you're playing baseball in Morgantown, you're going to get some bad weather because it rains about five out of seven days of the week <laughs> up here in Morgantown. Seattle weather here it, in Morgantown, West Virginia. It's like Seattle weather. That's why <laughs> they have to go two or three weeks to open the season playing in the south and playing, yeah. playing in, in the Midwest and stuff like that. Um, so that's you know that shouldn't really be a factor, but I guess it was on Friday. Yeah, and, and on Saturday, I mean, it was kind of a tale of the same story. Except I, I watched a little bit of on TV, a little bit of the game on TV, and it was more of the bullpen at that point because I mean the game was close through the first I would say five or four or five innings, and then it got away from the Mountaineers at the end. But you you got that last one on Sunday, and now they go. You know, Aaron, you want to give us a little bit of preview on the Oklahoma State series because that's what's coming up for the Mountaineers on the road. That'll be a tough series. Yeah, I mean, Oklahoma State, they're always, um, you know, they're always in the uh, NCAA tournament. They're usually hosting regionals. I believe they hosted a regional last year. I don't think they came out of it. I think it was Arkansas that did. But, you know, they're strong. 
they got three players batting over 300 that have had at least 100 at bats. So we're not talking about guys, um, you yeah, know, that are play, yeah. pinch hitters or, or midweek players or you know, kind of um, fringe players. Uh, Carson Bench, 380 with five homers and 25 ribbies. Wow. That was pretty good. Nolan Schubert, um, I believe he's a first baseman, 364, eight homers, 34 RBIs as a freshman. Wow. Um, That's so actually very similar to J.J. Weatherholt's stat I yeah, wrote down. Exactly. He has seven home runs, 34 RBIs. Yeah, and so. I believe Benj, the first uh, the first player I mentioned, is a infielder slash pitcher. So I don't know what he can do on the mound. Wow. Schubert is an outfielder and a first baseman. And then Rock Riggio, 323 with 10 homers. He leads the team with 10 homers. Um, you know, so that's that's going to be a tough order to go through, and especially with, you know, um, WVU's Saturday starter Blaine Traxel being so good this year. But this past Saturday, uncharacteristic start, yeah. um, seven hits, six earned runs. You know, that's a little scary going into Stillwater. And Ben Hampton's your Friday guy. I'll be honest, Hampton and Traxel got a little beat up in that Kansas yeah. series. Yeah. Like, Ham- not like injuries, I mean, as they right. got beat up, as they got knocked around in, at the, on the mound. Well, they, ba- they both gave up seven hits. I mean, Hampton kind of worked out of trouble a little bit. But, I mean, three walks that turned into th- uh, four earned, run re- earned, earned runs, rather, and that's not that's – not characteristic for him and seven hits and six earned for Traxel is yeah. hopefully that's just an outlier I mean as we said last time uh, in the last episode Traxel has four complete game shutouts yeah um four complete games I'm not sure about shutouts he won in all those games yeah. though yeah yeah still, so he's been so. good um that's uncharacteristic and hopefully that doesn't you know carry over into Stillwater and you know since I got the chance to be at that uh that Friday game against Kansas Hampton to do a little deeper dive on why Hampton didn't perform well is because he just like he he like you said he walked like the first I think it was three batters or four or, or no it wasn't four because he didn't walk a run in so it would have been three batters and then he got himself out of the jam so it, it it was it was good I mean it's just it was I feel like it was a confidence issue to start the game for Hampton I, I don't know I mean there's no reason for him to not be confident he's been the, the Friday starter all season and he's somebody you expect to perform and he will and he has for the most part it's just sometimes. He gets a little out of control, I guess. Well, it's kind of surprised me. He's got a uh, he's got a four oh five ERA on the yeah, season. We were so talking I mean, about that earlier. I mean, that's not horrible, but I mean, Friday, Friday starter worthy. I'm not saying he should lose his job or anything like that, but yeah, um, you know, being an upperclassman, I believe Hampton's a junior now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're gonna have to step it up and then kick it into a different gear here. Uh, now that Big Twelve play is starting, and you're gonna have to you know kind of chip down that ERA. Yeah, so West Virginia will play a three-game series against Oklahoma State this weekend. It'll be April 14th, 15th, and 16th in Stillwater. The, all those games will be available on ESPN Plus to watch it, anyone out there. And also, um, you know, now we're going to move into a little bit of the MLB side. We got to talk about West Virginia and their struggles. But now we're going to talk about a pretty big event that happened in the MLB this past week and kind of two events that ended up conspiring out of this was the O'Neill Cruz injury Pirates versus White Sox. Was, I believe was it last Saturday or Friday? I'm not sure to be honest with you. It was um, April 9th. April 9th. So that was. I'm not sure. Oh, that was Sunday. That was Easter Sunday. Yeah, it was Easter Sunday. Okay. Yep. Um. Yeah. On Easter Sunday, it was the White Sox at Pirates, and uh, O'Neill Cruz slid into home, uh, made contact with the catcher uh, Grandal for the White Sox. I believe it was a uh, Savali. I'm oh, okay. Sure. The backup yeah. catcher. Okay. Yep. Yeah, it was um, Grandal. Okay. Savali uh, ran into him. Cruz ended up having a fractured ankle out of the situation, but it also in the <laughs> insinuated a benches clearing brawl, which, brawl, excuse me, which is not something that you see in the MOB really ever. So, guys, what's your opinion on that? And, you know, what do you think the impact of this O'Neill Cruz injury will be? Well, um, well, when you look at the clip, he um, doesn't really 
make a great effort of, and me and Aaron talked about this before because mm-hmm. we weren't really too sure of the whole situation and what we thought about it. But when you look at it multiple times, I don't, I don't like casting blame on anybody, mm-hmm. but O'Neill Cruz did not do a very good job at getting down and sliding. He just basically looked like he threw himself in the, you know, the catcher. And um, I, I really don't know what he was thinking there. Um, he but seemed like he kind of led with his led with his foot too. Like I'm not, I I don't I'm not a professional on sliding yeah. obviously, but whenever he took the slide, it seemed like he led with his foot like sh- his foot straight out yeah. Yeah, into the catcher. It, it basically looked like he just charged at him. Yeah, pretty you much. Know, he, it kind of like he fell and just yeah. charged at no, him. No, yeah. he he made no effort to get down low and slide, and no, he just ran right into him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got caught in a, a kind of weird, awkward spot. I don't know if he misread, you know, the throw coming home. Obviously, he can't see it. You know, he's chugging chugging home and trusting his third base coach. But um, he got caught in an awkward spot. You got a certain point where it's like, okay, you need to get down and slide or you need to give yourself up. And he got past that point of sliding to where there wasn't a, a clean slide there. So at that point, to, to avoid the risk of injury, you need to give yourself up or try to maneuver yourself, um, you know, try to get your foot in there some some way, somehow. But he got – he got caught in kind of that awkward zone where it's like, um, you know, there's not enough room to slide, but you know a throw's coming, and you know you're probably going to be dead in your tracks. Mm-hmm. So him being the competitor that he is, he wanted to try to get down, but it was too late. Yeah. Um, ankle got caught up underneath him. I've seen it. I've seen that a couple times, but I've never seen it quite that bad to uh, that big of a player. You know, the the Pirates are seven and five. Just to generally talk about them and the impact that Cruz has on this team, because I think he has a massive impact on this team. Uh, the Pirates are seven and five right now. They in that series against the was it against the White Sox still? Um, Jiwon Bay hit a walk off to win the game for the Pirates over the White Sox. That, that was the Astros. That was the Astros. Sorry, yeah. excuse no, me. You're, you're right. You're right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jiwon Bay hit a walk off against the Astros on Tuesday, and this team kind of has some forward momentum. But I mean, Cruz is a big part of this team. You know, Brian Reynolds is second in the MOB in home runs with five. He's also batting three forty seven. They they got a decent group of players. You know, the Pirates have been a bottom feeder franchise, to say the least, here the last few seasons. And many believe that Bob Nutting should sell the franchise. I'm not sure what your guys' opinion is on that, that we can bring that up here in a minute. But I just want to talk about first how Cruz can have an impact on this franchise and, this, and the momentum they have this season. Yeah, like, the what's Im- the impact there? The impact Cruz gives to uh, the Pirates is you can't, you, can't even, you can't even really write it down on paper. I mean, he's just um, he's six foot seven and he's just such a freak of an athlete. He's, he hits the ball on the screws all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, his exit velo is always over 100 miles per hour. He's always hitting line drives, and he can throw across the diamond pretty well um, as well, throwing the ball at like 90-plus um, <laughs> Yeah, that's time. crazy. So um, that's a big loss for them. But, you know, I'm, I'm not a big believer on the NL Central, um, so I do believe they'll be bad because of this injury um, and probably some other reasons to go with it. But maybe, th- maybe they can – hold their heads over water for a little bit. Um, I'm not really sure. I mean, it's not like we expected them to win the division. But, I mean, with this start, you could see some positives. Right. But, I mean, it's early. Like we right. said last podcast, you know, it's early in the season. But, you know, Tyler, there's some there's some inklings of a good squad here maybe. What do you think? I don't know. Well, <laughs> going back to talking about O'Neill Cruz and his impact, I, you know, his rookie year, he didn't hit too well. He didn't. You know, He hit under he, 200. Yeah he, yeah, he hit under 200. But you have those highlights of him you know, throwing the ball fast, hitting it hard and whatnot, and then this happens to him, I really don't think that he has taken off yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And um, 
I just I, I think we have to really wait for him to play a full year, mm-hmm. and hopefully nothing like this ever happens to him again. Because he and didn't we'll play the full season last season, correct? Or did he get did he get called well, up? He got called up. He got called up later. Yeah. Later. Okay, I thought it was later in the season he got called up. So. so so I think Pirates fans have really they've seen glimpses of him, but I don't think they've actually got to see O'Neill Cruz in his purest form. I really don't think so. And now, and now he's going to be out three to four months. Yeah, I saw wait. today. So I mean, it's it's yeah. you might as well chalk this season mm-hmm. up for him. I think, mm-hmm. and you just got to progress for next season. And I mean, if we saw a full, like, what's the word I'm looking for? A full strength O'Neill Cruz. I think mm-hmm. it, I, it, would it would be deadly. And if he, you know, yeah. got better at contact, got better at that batting average, less strikeouts, it'd be so deadly to see him on on well, the diamond. Well, the the good thing is though, you know, he's down. Not, that's not the good thing, but. You you place him aside. They still have Brian Reynolds to watch, and on top of that, they brought Andrew McCutcheon back. And I went yeah, to I the yeah I went to the game before Easter Sunday, and I mean every single time he came up to bat, everyone was standing up, clapping for the guy. And he went like three for four in that game. He had a home run. Mm-hmm. I think he had a double, maybe a single. But I mean, and he's not playing bad at all. I mean, yeah. he's he's having a nice start to the year. So. Had a great day for my fantasy squad. Yeah, as well. yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um. I mean, they they have those things to look forward to. You know, it's it's terrible that he went down, but you know, it's. Mm-hmm. You know, I also that. saw that McCutcheon got like a big standing ovation. Was that the game you were at? Or was that the game before that the home opener? Uh, That's probably the home opener. So that but was the game on Friday. You went to the game on Saturday before yeah, Easter, right? Yep, yeah, yeah, it was your second game. But like I said, it doesn't matter. You know, you know, if it was the home opener and the second game, every time he got up, everyone stood up and he got the loudest cheers and. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, Could, it was really cool, cool to see. Could you imagine if the umpire gave him a uh, pitch cog violation for that? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that that would have been awkward. Yeah, th- <laughs> it's it's good that that umpires know that there's going to be moments like that, and they yeah. got to let those moments breathe. And you know, that's that's you know what baseball is all about. And mm-hmm. just because mm-hmm. there's new rules that will, um, you know, shave off time, and they're working, you know, as the data says. But I mean, you got to let those go. Um, and I believe there's somebody else that had that treatment too, right? Gene Segura. In Philly, yeah. which I don't even know yeah. why. I mean, Pujols had it last season. In, yeah, but the pitch clock wasn't in. Oh, okay, yeah, one. sorry, sorry, yeah, they, you're right. They let, um, you know, Gene Segura get a standing O, even though, like, he's not and exactly a Phillies legend, but whatever. And, and they gave him that <laughs> ring, the um, oh, yeah. National League, which I didn't even know that was a thing. They, I mean, I think I right. knew pennant rings were a thing, but mm-hmm. these things are ginormous. Yeah, they are big. rocks. <laughs> you know? They are bigger than probably the Astros World Series yeah, rings. You know, yesterday on the United 2 Sports Night, I was talking to Sean Tansky, shout out to him, and... He mentioned that it was embarrassing as a Phillies fan for them to be getting pennant rings. I mean, <laughs> I mean the size and the money that went into them. I think it's a little embarrassing myself. It's it's like a little participation trophy <laughs> for being in the World Series. <laughs> to yeah. quote him, he said, he said in Sports Night yesterday, "We lost. So why are you doing this? Like, why <laughs> is this a well, thing that happens?" I think even worse than the rings that they had the grounds crew go to the outfield and <laughs> put like the NL champions oh, yeah. logo yeah. In the into the grass. Yeah. Um, they're very proud of that. They are very <laughs> proud of that. I mean, they are basking in the glory days of Jay Roll and Chase Utley and Ryan Howard. <laughs> oh boy. I guess because yeah. that I don't I don't know any other franchise that would do that. Maybe the Reds or the Pirates yeah. or somebody that you know doesn't really taste success very often. The 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 you know the Phillies actually have been pretty rough to start this season. But I want to mention another team and specifically we'll talk about this player, um, Jordan Walker for the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, the Cardinals have not had a great start. They did win two games in this series against the Rockies this past week, and they lost the first game of the series. They play again tonight, and 
They're, they have a they have a good rookie on that squad, Jordan Walker, and the, the stat that sticks out that everybody's been talking about is he just had he's on a twelve game hit streak and he just tied the record um, by set by Eddie Murphy in nineteen twelve. Not Eddie Murphy, the actor, not to be confused with Eddie Murphy, <laughs> the uh, Eddie Murphy, the former MLB player, in nineteen twelve hit for thirteen or twelve straight hits before being um, the age of twenty one one years old. So uh, Jordan Walker is under twenty one years old. He's on a twelve game hit streak. And if he gets a hit tonight, he would break that record. So he's had a great performance on the season. And, you know, I just want to get your guys' opinion on him. I mean, he's been – I'll let you talk about this. But he's been uh, a liability on defense, to say the the least, sometimes. But Now, with Walker, just what I've seen from him, I love his swing. He he reminds me of a righty um, version of O'Neal Cruz in in some regards. The the swing he has, uh, the exit velo. Um, off the bat, and just the sound off the bat he makes. Um, there's there's not very many bloop singles um, out of his singles that he's mm-hmm. gotten this year, right? I mean, he hits the balls on the screws. Yeah, a lot. he he hits he likes to hit liners into like like either right in front of the left fielder or right fielder. Like basically those ones that go right over. The, you can't. I'm doing the motion here in the studio, but they go right over the mm-hmm. infield, right in front of the outfielders. It's really the best thing you can hope for and from a rookie. I, I just think that's a result of him keeping things simple. Yeah, you know, he's not overcomplicating. He's not going up. At bat and saying, "Oh, I want to, you know, hit a home run here." It's nothing like that. He just wants to get on base for his team, mm-hmm. and um, I, it's, that's showing because he's doing that. Of course, you can tell he's a team guy. You yeah, know? you can tell that. Yeah, he's playing, um, you know, a position that I don't know how much he played in the minors, but he came up as a third baseman. You got Arenado there, um, and he he had a play yesterday or the day before where uh, it was a don't tough, mention it. I it know what you're talking play. about. I know what play you're about to mention. It don't was talk a tough about play. It. He had a lot of ground to cover, but man, he was there. Balls in his glove. Ball goes out of his glove. So, <laughs> um, little little Juan Soto esque there. So uh, I don't think he's the best outfielder, but. You know, maybe in time he can he can translate into something else. I don't know or DH. Yeah, I mean they could play. They played Arenado at DH actually last night, which is weird because they played him at DH. They left Walker in right field, and yeah. they played. I, I'm not I, sure if it was Brendan Donovan. It or was Taylor, not Donovan. It was Taylor Motter, maybe. Yeah, the guy that you mentioned yesterday I'm that you never gonna, heard of. I'm not gonna lie, I don't know much about that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That. like we were watching. I was watching that game. You guys were watching part of it out. Um, mm-hmm. We're all roommates as well. We should mention, and, we, and they, you guys were watching it in the living room, and mm-hmm. I was in my room watching it. And, you know, I saw Taylor Motter out there. I'm like, okay, why is Walker still in right field? And this guy's playing infield. Whenever Walker is, I don't want to say natural born, but he rose up from the minor leagues in the infield. So yeah. uh, it's just a little confusing to me. I'm guessing the organization and the coaching staff have it purposed in their heart that they want to try to make him into an outfielder because that's maybe the only spot they have available for him. And, and there, there has been a lot of outfield yeah. injuries in the Cardinals, too. You know, yeah. Lars Newbar on right. the I.O. And, and with, with Arenado playing, um, you know, he doesn't get hurt all that often, and he's yeah. the best third baseman of our generation. And then you got a couple other guys there. I think they just want to keep him out there and get him, you know, get him more reps, I guess. I d- I'm not really sure. And, you know, <laughs> like we mentioned in the field, we've seen the occasional rookie mistake from Walker with the fielding errors. And also, I've, I watched him last night especially. He struck out um, looking – uh, versus the Rockies, but uh, tonight, hopefully, we can see him break that 1912 record and get his 13th straight hit. It'd, it'd be the most, yeah, he would take the spot as the most games in a row ever to get a hit under the age of 21. So that's yeah, a really big awesome. accomplishment for him. Yeah. yeah. So to move on to to someone else, you know, going from a rookie to a, a proven guy, the guy that won the batting title last season in the AL, uh, we're talking about Luis Arias now. Before we get into his cycle he hit against the Marlins, I believe, what day was that? 
It was last two, week. Two sometime. days ago. Three days. It was ago. Um, three days ago, right? April eleventh. So was yeah, that Monday? Or it was Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Tuesday. Yeah, he Tuesday. hit the cycle against the Marlins. But Tyler and I were talking about this the other day. Um, the pronunciation of his name yeah. is it Arise or Arise? I think it's Arise because I I went back and I listened to the um, the tape of the the video the the cycle he hit and the commentators constantly said Arise and then this morning on not MLB MLB Now or whatever they talked about him. They said arise too. Yeah, but I've also heard people say rise, so I yeah I, I, I have mean, no idea. Yeah, you just you just got to emphasize the a because you know you don't want to get it confused with Luis Urias yeah. of the yeah, Milwaukee Brewers. True. Yeah, um, they sound very similar. So you got to emphasize emphasize the a in there. That guy's got an iconic like mm. doesn't isn't he the guy that does the yeah he like leans, leans back leans with? his yeah. entire back <laughs> backwards and into <laughs> some kind of weird angle, um, and then once the pitcher is like it's not even when he's coming set it's when the ball is like on its way then he like straightens himself up and <laughs> i guess it's that's so weird that's how he generates power i guess i mean to each their own so I, i'm not really sure yeah it's just, it's just odd i've never i mean that's unique yeah i haven't seen it it's kind of like jeff bagwell you know we always make jokes about jeff bagwell like kind of like oh that guy was like a jeff bagwell batting stance we <laughs> yeah. always make those jokes yep. all the time or Gary um, Sheffield wag, uh, waggling the bat mm-hmm. all the time. <laughs> Wagging the bat, rather. And Matt Olson holding the bat like this. and Ke- having Kev- no th- Kevin Eugle, <laughs> his hands down, has the weirdest to ever Isn't he the guy baseball? that like, brings it over? Like, the yeah. Guys? yeah, I mean, he would have, he wouldn't even have two hands together. He would have, like, his, I guess, left hand, where he's a righty, um, at the bottom of the bat near the nub. And, like, his right hand would be up, like, Almost like he was about to bunt, like <laughs> halfway he was up, like the, pinching the top, halfway of up it. the bat. Yeah. yeah, it's almost like borderline yep. the barrel of the bat. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it worked for him. <laughs> he was a fun player to watch when I was a little yeah. kid. Yeah, it definitely worked. But uh, you know, let's go back to a rise. Um, he hit for the cycle on Tuesday. I have that writ- written down here. I don't know why I questioned it, but um, he has the MLB's best batting average at exactly in the middle, five hundred batting average. He has the most hits at twenty three. Or sorry, I don't know what I'm saying. He has 23 hits, but he only has four strikeouts. That was the point I was trying to oh, get yeah. at. So he, he's been great. And, you know, I watched the, Did you guys watch any of the highlights of that cycle? Yes. Yes, I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he got the double first. And then. Right. And then um, I, I'm not sure what you guys think, but I obviously think the triple is the hardest of the cycle. Of course. Yeah. He. Uh, yeah. He. It was at Citizens Bank second. in Philly. So his triple, he kind of like he hit a line drive down the right field line. And mm-hmm. I don't know if they were shifting him or. Was Castellanos out in right field? He's slower than molasses, um, <laughs> and it just kind of got in the right spot, and it went deep into yeah. The, into and I the corner, think right? I think yeah. the broadcasters thought he was going to hold up at two, but he didn't. Stretched it out, <laughs> and uh, he got three. I think the the wildest part for his cycle was that I mean he's such a great contact and singles hitter, and it came down to the end, and he needed a single. Yeah, that was the usually, only thing he needed. Usually, you need a triple or a home run <laughs> yeah, or yeah. sometimes yeah. a double, and, and a single for him uh, that was pretty cool. Um, and his homer was opposite field. I mean, obviously he's not a home run hitter, but I think there's there's the ability there. I mean, he did it for Team Venezuela in the World Baseball Classic against USA right before America's shortstop Trey Turner took over the game and hit a <laughs> grand America's slam. Shortstop, yeah. yeah, he's more influential to this country than say like Abraham Lincoln. Uh, I, that, that's <laughs> okay, <my opinion>. sure, <laughs> yeah. Emancipation Proclamation means yeah, nothing no, to you, Aaron. I don't know what that <laughs> is. <laughs> Trey, Trey Turner, he's on my fantasy <laughs> team. It's Aaron Parker's hot take of the day. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, he hit that triple. And I, and I feel like at that point, uh, do you think that he was aware? 
like that oh, he yeah. was on track. I mean, yes. he hit the double, the triple, and yeah. he's like, oh, do you think in his head he was like, I just need a home run, a single? Yeah, I mean, and we, they have they have stat guys on on staff and, mm-hmm. and guys in the clubhouse and in the dugout. They, he was aware of it, and uh, like, go sorry, ahead, no, go, go ahead, go ahead. If you look at like guys having no hitters, I mean, everybody knows. Like, if it's in the seventh or eighth inning and the dude's got no hitter, like he's not questioning it. Now, a lot of times you see players like leave him alone because yeah. he's in the zone but like everybody's aware of it mm-hmm. um and so i believe the same i've thing. always heard this like a superstition whenever there's a no hitter going on that you yeah. just don't talk you to leave the pitcher, him on. don't mess with you them. leave him yeah. on and especially for arias where like all he needed was a single like a triple is something you don't see all the time and and arias homer is something you don't see all the time he definitely knew well i was just gonna say going back to the point where you said you know if they're th- they're aware of it and when I, I think when they know, oh, I only need a home run or a single or a double to, to finish it, mm-hmm. I don't think they're actually going up there to, if they only need a home run, I don't think, okay, I'm trying to get a home run here. They're not swinging for the fences. Yeah, no. Yeah. I, I just think that they're you know doing what they were doing for the whole game, and hopefully it's a whatever they need to complete the cycle, and it worked out for him. You and, know? you know, you guys might mm-hmm. agree, so... He went four for five. He had all the four hits of the cycle, and then he got he lined out as well. But the thing is, um, Arias went four for five that day. He lined out in his second day B. But also, the thing about the the cycle that I want to mention is that you know I think it takes a little bit of luck. Would you Would you agree that it takes luck? Because I mean, you have to number one, you have to get enough ABs. I mean, sometimes batters only get four in a game, depending on how fast it goes yeah. or how they do. So I mean. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, there's sometimes a guy if you know if the pitcher's going out there and pitching good, you only get three at bats. Um, I think four is more regular. So to get five um, doesn't happen every game. And of course, you know to get a double and a triple, you know sometimes if you just put it in the gap, it's a double straight up. So not much luck involved there. But um, but on the triple, yeah, you got to hit in the right spot. Um, the outfielder's got to be playing in, I guess, the wrong area or the right area for you as the hitter yeah. uh, to where you can you know be able to stretch it out. And you got to be um, – I mean, if, if you're in a bigger ballpark like Citizens, Citizens Bank, I don't think that ever hurts you. Um, but, I mean, if you're in a smaller ballpark like, say, Fenway, Fenway's got more quirks um, to the wall. So, like, you know, if you hit it out into the, that little triangle, then maybe you can get a cycle. But if you're in a bigger ballpark, I think there's more room for you to kind of poke it down the line and try to round uh, second base and kind of get that – that all elusive triple. So uh, I think yeah. there is definitely some luck and some, you know, ballpark play that comes into it. You know, I didn't even think about that. That was that at the Marlins stadium? No, Citizens Bank in, in Oh, you said that. There. Okay, my bad. Yeah. But it definitely takes some luck to get a cycle. But um anyways, we're gonna move in to a little something a little different. We're gonna move into more of a team oriented part of this show. And you know, we kinda talked about this a little bit before and how we would go approaching this. But I think the first thing I want to do, you know, we're two weeks into the MLB season here. It's still very early. Um, I believe, what's the Red Sox record? Uh, we don't have to discuss that. I no. I just want to mention it for uh, for the intro of the segment here. Uh, we are five and seven currently, and hey, okay, hey, the Cardinals hey, are hey, also hey. five and seven. Hold up, the Red Sox are beating the Rays right now. They are up two to one. I in forgot the there are inning. games on right now. Yeah, up two to one in the fourth inning against the Rays. Yep. Oh, okay. So we'll check back That's after this. Yeah, we're gonna be talking. To, we're gonna be talking about them a lot today. <laughs> so uh, you know, we haven't even mentioned them, but. We'll get to them, you know, only undefeated team in the MLB right now. We'll get to them later. But before that, we're going to take a little time to analyze each of our teams. I'm going to pass it on to Tyler first to talk about the Yankees. You know, they're 8-4. and four. Garrett Cole has been dealing. I'm a, I mean, so we'll go a little bit into, into a little bit of analysis of all of our favorite teams. Just a little check-in, see how they're doing. We might do this every week, maybe every two weeks. 
we'll decide on that later. But we just want to give a check. And I just to update everyone, I am a St. Louis Cardinals fan. Uh, Tyler Persina is a Yankees fan. And Aaron Parker is a Boston Red Sox fan. So everyone knows where we're at. Uh, Tyler, you can go ahead. What do you got? Well, just like you said, you know, Garrett Cole has been um, Garrett Cole. You know, we expect him to... Cut off hair, Garrett Cole, by the way. Yeah, cut off hair, Garrett Cole. Um, <laughs> he looks good. I don't know. Um, but, uh, you know, he's that classic power pitcher that we talked about last week. Um, you know, he, he really at times seems unhittable. You know, he, he he's prone to, like last year, I remember in the beginning of the year, he um, struggled a little bit. His ERA was a little high, but then he got it back down. But so far, that hasn't happened. Um the the other the other two pitchers I want to bring up is Nestor Cortez and Johnny Brito. Now Nestor Cortez, mm. of course, had an amazing year. Who last the heck year. is Johnny Brito? Well, Johnny Brito, he's um, burrito like Taco Bell no, burrito. No, no, no burrito, <laughs> burrito. Yeah, B R I T O. I'm messing with you. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> and he's a rookie, and because of all the in- injuries, we uh, brought him up, and uh, he's had two starts and phenomenal. I mean, I I think he should just, you know, for now, just stay there because. After that first start, I'm pretty sure we sent him down and then we brought him back up. I don't know why we did that, but um, he's been phenomenal. Now, talking about the other two pitchers that have struggled, Clark Schmidt has probably been our worst pitcher. He's when, Every single time I, I tune into a game when he's pitching, he's <laughs> always seems to give him, given up home runs. And I mean, I'm pretty sure he has an ERA in like the 10s or something like that. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, that he's bad. struggling. And then Domingo Herman hasn't been as bad as Clark Schmidt. But he's definitely has struggled as well. You no, know, you gotta think you're missing Carlos Rodon. Yeah. Right. You're yeah. missing uh, Frankie Montas, yeah. which mm-hmm. I I I, th- I don't think I know what your opinion is on Frankie Montas. You want to refresh me on that? Well, <laughs> we talked. <laughs> well, I put you well, on the spot. Well, I'm sorry. It's okay. No. It, um. Because we've well, had conversations about this before in yeah. private, off the air. So. Well, when when the first news broke out that he got hurt, Aaron said, "Oh, you know, that's a huge loss for you guys," and I'm like. <laughs> I'm going to be honest with you, it's not. And he's like, why is that? And I was like, <laughs> well, last year he pitched three games for us, right? Three mm-hmm. games for us, and it w- they weren't good at all. You know, so It's why three I, games. I, I understand that, but like, I'm not going to be upset about a guy who pa- who barely pitched for us, and now he's hurt because I, I don't even know. Who who knows if he pitched that whole year, but if he would have got. Now, he probably would have. It's Fra- Frankie, Frankie Montas. But I'm not going to be that upset about a guy who pitched three innings. But it, I mean, three games for us. He's a he's a career pretty good pitcher, yeah. and you I guys went out and got him. Like, you, you, traded piece, you traded pieces for him. I mean, so. I don't know exactly his history. Where did he come from before the Yankees? The Oakland A's. The and, A's, okay. And I don't have his stats pulled up. But, I mean, he was good enough for the Yankees to say, hey, we want to go out and, and trade some pieces. Now, now, what did they give up for him? I don't know. Maybe it wasn't much because the Oakland A's are sellers. Um but, I mean, I, I don't know. I just thought it was a little bit of a loss for somebody you go out and trade for. I don't know. That was my piece on it. I know he wasn't great last year, but three games is not enough to judge an MLB pitcher on. So, Tyler, I do have a question for you. It's mm-hmm. not going to require m- much analysis. I just want your opinion. Uh, Glaber Torres, he's had a good start to the year. You know, well, he's yeah, second and hits the only judge on the team. Yeah, no, I was going to bring that up next. Going into hitting, he's, uh, well, right now he's, um, has the highest batting average on the team, 371. Yeah, and I also mentioned that too. Yeah, on top of that, that he's yep. getting on base the most as well, and uh, he's playing very well. Last year, he had a bounce back year from the year before. That was his worst year. I mean, he, he had no pop in his bat and whatnot, so I'm glad he's, you know, finding his um, swing again, and he's he's looking exceptional. And when you talk about Aaron Judge, you know, he's being Aaron Judge. He's hitting mm-hmm. for average. He's, 
you know, got the home runs. 318 and batting average. Yeah. So that's still yeah. good start yeah. the season. And then the biggest surprise for the Yankees is Fr- Franchi Cordero. Haven't heard of the name. So, well, we got him during, I think it was right before the season started, and he was on the Red Sox. And then he went to the Orioles, and he didn't make the starting lineup for the roster. Oh, he for he the didn't Orioles. even make the roster. Yeah, he didn't make the roster at all, which is surprising. But the uh, the, su- the what I'm talking about, the big surprise here is he uh, he's quite the power hitter. Um, in the first like seven games or so, he's gotten hit in every single one of those games. And then on top of that, he's um uh, he's tied with Judge with the most home runs, and he's leading the team in RBIs. Just in seven games. It's like wow, I, very, I didn't know any of that. Yeah, like, like right now, if you turn on a Yankees game and he's in the lineup, there's a pretty good shot he's going to hit a home run. <laughs> I mean, it's unbelievable. That, that, that's it really is. That's really good. And you know, uh, just to overall wrap up the Yankees here, you know, they're third in Team, RA, uh, team ERA in the entire MLB mm-hmm. at 2.72, which is really, that's a really good number. I mean, you wouldn't expect that from how their bullpen's played sometimes, you know, in those, in those games where they've, I mean, they had a high-scoring game against the Orioles I watched the other day, and... Mm-hmm. Um, and some other games they've lost, but I think, um, I think, the batting average percentage, like like they're. I looked at this, and I, I'll get to a point here. Um, I looked at this, and they're fifteenth in the league, exactly in the middle mm. of uh, team batting average at two forty nine. And I I looked at all their other hitting categories because it it intrigued me. And you know they're kind of mid in every batting category, for lack of a better term, you know. And I think that's really been the only thing that's been slowing them down so far. Yeah, well, h- historically the Yankees they've been a very power-based team. So when we actually get guys on with singles, right? You get guys on first and second, we tend to not get those guys in. We, I mean, that we seems leave, like we leave like a lot of guys on base, and I feel like that's exactly what's been West Virginia's freaking kryptonite over these last three games yeah, and four um, games. Me. You know, once they do, I think a better job at you know driving those runs in and just. You know, you, oh, power is good, but you gotta also emphasize contact and you know keeping it simple. I I think they'll be th- they are a good hitting team, mm-hmm. but I think they'll elevate it even more. So yeah. the Yankees are eight and four so far in the young part of the season. Here now we move on to the Boston Red Sox. Aaron, what do you got for me for the five and seven Sox? Mm. They're frustrating to watch, and the best way I can put it is, well, if you look at like their schedule, they're streaky, um, streaky but predictable. Um, so I'll explain myself here in a minute. I mean, if you go through the schedule, um, got swept by the Pittsburgh Pirates and then came back and swept the Detroit Tigers and now have lost three straight to the Rays. Um, and I know the Tigers are really bad. I mean, they should be relegated to AAA probably. Um, so we that's talked not, about that the other night too. <laughs> that's not that impressive to me. But they're streaky, um, but they're predictable in the sense that the guys that they put out there, pitching staff, like I could have, pre- I could have predicted. Anybody could have predicted that that is not a good staff. Um, Chris Sale, who hasn't hardly pitched in like three years, um, Corey Kluber, old man Kluber. <laughs> um, you got guys like Tanner Houck, who has some potential, but he's you know he's young and wild. Same with Cutter Crawford. You can predict that those guys are not going to be able to to keep major league uh, lineups at bay. You know, um, and. And didn't Sale give up six earned runs? Was that yesterday or the day six before? Six earned yesterday. So that's not yeah. a good sight. And it's predictable that the fielding is going to be bad. I mean, you have a captain in Xander Bogarts. And I'm not going to do this again like I did last week and just, you know, mourn his loss, I guess. <laughs> but, I mean, Bogarts isn't the best shortstop in the world, but he is a steady shortstop. I mean, he, he can hold his own there, and he's a great hitter. Um, and so you, you don't give him a deal 
and you're going to move Kike Hernandez to short. Okay, he's already got five errors, and they put him back in center field yesterday. And then yesterday, this one really got me going. So for you guys that don't know, I'm not a big fan of Bobby Dalback. Um, yeah, first I've, baseman. Heard, I've heard that. Not around. a big fan of him. Uh, he's, you know, I, I just, th- he's a power hitter that is always trying to hit home runs, and he's terrible at batting average. So that's not a player I usually tend to, you know, like that much. And they put him at shortstop yesterday. And there was a ground ball um, that was, I mean, it was routine. Yeah. It was routine. <laughs> it was like high school-esque. Um, <laughs> and he, he booted it. So that was frustrating. And I know they're winning right now, but a lineup of, listen to this, one through nine, Alex Verdugo, Justin Turner, Rob Schneider batting third for the Boston Red Sox, I batting third, is. Rob Schneider, Former Yankee. Okay. Well, <laughs> he should be in AAA. Or it sounds like George Steinbrenner. Yeah, That's what the name sounds like Ref anyway. Schneider. Yeah, I know. Ref I was Schneider. just making fun of the of the owners. He's batting Yankees. third. I can't get over that. Tristan Casas, Bobby Delbeck at third. Bobby Delbeck, like he's not a third baseman. Uh, Kike Hernandez, Reese McGuire, Yu Chang, Christian Arroyo. Where's Yoshida? Is he hurt? I uh, probably got the day off, oh, and, okay. and, and no Duvall hurt. So like, you know, that's a tough break. It, yeah, it I was really going to ask you about. I was going to ask you about Duvall. I, before you get into that, real quick. Uh, I was talking to Jake Howard, fellow U92 are here. We're all a member of the U92 staff. Uh, he mentioned that if Duvall is the make or break between your team, then your team wasn't great in the first place. And I and I, and I, agree. I, want, I know that might be an egregious take, but I want to hear your opinion on that. No, uh, he's completely right. I mean, Duvall's start to the season surprised me, impressed me, and I, you know, I was glad it happened. But like he said, I mean, if you're resting on, on Adam Duvall, um, your team's not good enough. And um, obviously, they're resting on Devers. Devers is their big guy, but it takes more than one guy in baseball. That's why it would be nice to have a Mookie Betts or Xander Bogarts or you know go out and get a different pitcher. I mean, Chris Sale is never on the field. He gave up six yesterday, um, and you don't have anybody reliable um, on that staff. So you know, I think that's a good point. And you know, all these losing streaks that are to come are going to be predictable because they don't have. Um, a very good defensive lineup. They don't have a good staff, and their bullpen is not great either. I mean, you go and get Kenley Jansen, but I mean, he's upper thirties now, isn't he? Maybe thirty-five or thirty-six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's he's um, on the older side, definitely. So whatever happens, whatever bad happens this season, it's just very predictable. Uh, I could have, I saw it coming from a mile away. So it's frustrating, but you know, I, I you think, got down years. I think you failed to mention someone on your pitching staff who actually has been pitching well, Nick Pavetta. Pavetta's good, right? And isn't he on your fantasy team? No, no he not, dropped not, them. Not anymore because the way that the the Red Sox were pitching, I was <laughs> like, well, I I actually benched him the day he started, and he actually pitched pretty well. But no, you dropped he, him. He was on anyway, waivers. Sorry, well, well, no, no, sorry I, to interrupt. No, 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 you're good. You're good. Um, I benched him and then I dropped him. Uh, <laughs> no, but when you look at the numbers, I mean, he's really the only guy in your rotation that hasn't been given up many runs. I mean. Yeah, he's he's yeah. a young, you know, kind of lively arm. Same with Tanner Houck, but Tanner Houck is wild. And I think I think Pavetta had some of that last year. So hopefully, um, you know, in this second or third season he's in, he can, you know, kind of um, be a more well-rounded pitcher. But, I mean, it, it's just not enough. It's just mm-hmm. not enough. And, like, like who's your shortstop every day? Now that Kike Hernandez can't play short, um, Bobby Dalbach can't play short, I mean, you're going to throw – I don't know who you're going to throw out there. I mean – it's 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 not good, and the way, you know, the way the other teams are playing, the Blue Jays are so talented, the Yankees are so talented, and then there's the Rays, 
that leaves you fighting with the Orioles for last place in the division. And I like what I see out of the so Orioles. I was going to say, they're not even know, that bad of a team. The Orioles aren't that bad. Yeah. So, you know, if they finish fifth uh, out of five in the AL East, I will not be surprised. You know, we already mentioned the Cardinals a little bit, so I won't spend too much time on them. But, you know, they got that rookie Jordan Walker, of course. But I think if I wanted to sum up the season to this point, I mean, 12 games in, it's been a tale of two halves. And I don't mean one half and a second half of a game. I mean literally offense and defense. It has been a tale of two absolutely different spectrums. The The Cardinals are bottom third of the league in the team ERA. That I believe I looked them up at 23rd or 22nd in the league um, in team ERA. And they've also given up the most hits um, out of any pitching staff at 121 so far this season. And I know those numbers might seem bad, but then you go over to the batting stats. And right now they're third in team batting average, and they're third in the most hits and runs scored as a team. So it's came down to either one of two things, high-scoring high games, high-scoring games that have ran away from them, or just the bullpen giving up crap. That's for lack of a better term. You know, it's, it's, been, it's been a little frustrating to watch some of the first games. You know, last season I didn't get to watch the Cardinals a whole ton because I got into the – I got really started like loving baseball late in the last season, and now I have a chance to start from the beginning watch a full season of Cardinals baseball, and it's been tough to watch the pitching. I know Jordan Montgomery had a great start for the Cardinals last week, and we've seen some hit or miss out of Michaelis. Michaelis had a really bad start against uh, the Rockies, but I, I want to hear what you guys have to say real quick about the Cardinals, and then we're going to move on to the MLB's debatably best team after this. Well, like you said, it's just strange when you look at the numbers – like hitting wise, they're uh, they're exceptionally good at hitting. Yeah. But you know it's a it's a game of you know two sides. You I think you have to be necessarily you have to be good at both for you to you know have success, and that hasn't been happening for them. Now, as a Cardinals fan, what do you think of uh, Jack Flaherty so far? Um, well, I didn't get to watch him any last season because mm-hmm. he was mostly hurt. Yeah. Um, so this is really my first good chance to get a, a look at him, and. He was a little erratic in his first start. I mean, you and I, Tyler, talked about this, um, that he had like seven walks in his mm-hmm. first start. But he got the walks down in his second start. He, he's only had two, right? Or has he had three already? Three. Okay, yeah. he's had three. In mm-hmm. his first and second start, he, uh, comparing them, his second start, he got the walks down a lot. And the third start, he did well, I thought. So, I mean, if he can turn into that ace again, per se, then that's something the Cardinals really, really need. And I can't emphasize really. But, um, you know... We're looking at the uh, board here. We're 47 minutes into this podcast, and we have not mentioned the undefeated Tampa Bay Rays much at all. So we're going to take a deep dive. And, you know, Tyler, I'll start with you because this Rays team has been historic. I, I'm, I'm going to just toss a few stats at you real quick, and I'll let Tyler take the show after this. You know, the Rays are 12-0. and 0. They are the first team since 1884 where the pitching mound was 50 feet away from the batter um, to have a run differential of more than 50 over their first 12 games. And just to put that in perspective, they are plus 65 in run differential to start this season. And they lead the MLB in a bunch of other stats. But, Tyler, you know, talking about these Rays, it's, it's been historic. So just simply, I saw, that's the best word I can use. Well, unlike your Cardinals, they're actually good at baseball on both sides, pitching <laughs> and hitting. I mean, you're not wrong. <laughs> and um, when, when you look at the hitting, um, basically almost every hitter is hitting very well. Like they're hitting in the high you know, 200s, and some of them are hitting well over 300. And then on top of that, the power's there. Um, every, I think, 11 players on that team have hit, you know, a home run or more. And um, and then on top of that, they lead the MLB in home runs and RBIs. Um, 
When talking about pitching. You were exactly right on the 11, by the way. I just counted. I wanted to oh, check okay. the math. <laughs> and it was 11 people on the Rays have hit yeah. a home run. And uh, the t- there's two people, three people, I believe. Josh Josh Lowe, Wander Franco, and Brandon Lau with four yeah. home runs. And then the pitching, you know, you got Shane McClanahan. But then on top of that, you got Jeffrey Springs, Rasmussen, and um, uh, Zach Eflin. And none of them really have given up many runs. I mean, I'm pretty sure all of them combined for, like, only seven runs. Yeah. Something like that. I think um, I have it. They have the least runs allowed in the entire league. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, it's not close. Yeah. Th- they're in, I think their entire team has, like, a just over two uh, earned run average, and that leads um, the league. Um, and then when uh, batting average against, when yeah. the, the teams that they're facing – or not even hit. They're hitting below the Mendoza line. Yeah, it's like 167. I saw earlier today. I, I think. I, I think it's in the high 190s. Oh, okay. Sorry, but, I was a little um, off on that. It's that's. It's still. Uh, it's really, ridiculous. Really great yeah, for a pitching so staff. Anytime they're playing anybody, it's just it's pure dominance on hitting and pitching. You know the United Two Sports Director Tanner Lambert. I want to give a shout out to him real quick. He believes that this Rays staff uh, might be the best in the league, and. Looking at it objectively here, none of us are Rays fans. None of us have really any connection to the Rays. I know Aaron went to Trop uh, this yeah. past summer, right? I did go to the Trop, made a made yeah. a visit, <laughs> and wow, underwhelming. <laughs> Actually, you went wow. It's hard to be, it's hard to be underwhelming when when everybody like degrades it all the time. So it's hard to be underwhelmed even yeah. more than what you were already expecting. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, it was. I mean, there were some cool features. I mean. It was very weird to pull up to a stadium. They had you park in grass like a college football game <laughs> or like you're tailgating. Or tailgating at Talladega Motor yeah, Speedway that's like where I went. That's this. literally what it li- was like. It was not in Tampa, no city life around it. You were in like a, a bunch of like neighborhoods in St. Pete where there's a bunch of like old retired folks. I'm dead serious. <laughs> um, but and Tampa Bay isn't a real place, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Is it not? No, no if you not. look at a map. Tampa, Tampa Bay. Bay. Yeah, it's, like, just, it's Tampa. It's Tampa. The yeah. city yeah. is Tampa. But the stadium's not even in Tampa, the yeah. city. It's in St. Pete. I don't yeah, I don't know what they were doing. My family kinda liked it. They kinda liked the little it was, it was different and it was more low yeah, key. Definitely but different. It was not for me. I'm not gonna lie. I did see Kevin Gossman go go out there and absolutely chuck. I mean, he went like seven innings, one run. He was really good. He's been great for the Blue Jays this oh, year yeah. too. But we're we're on the Rays here talking about their undefeated streak. Um they're twelve and oh. You know, this is their this is the third best start to a season in MLB history. And the only other two teams that have done better than this 12-0 start is the 1982 Braves and the 1987 Brewers. And both those teams were over, quick maths, over 30 years ago. So, I mean, this has been a historic start. It's the longest winning streak in Rays franchise history. Um, so, I mean, Aaron, I'll, I'll, head it, I'll head it back to you. You know, you said you had some analysis on this team, so I want to hear what you're seeing so far. Yeah, I mean, it the Rays are always always good and always, you know, contending for the playoffs and fighting into the playoffs um while being small market. And it's very impressive their their coaching staff, their organization, their higher-ups, they do a good job of being a small market team. I mean, there's plenty of small market teams, but the Reds, Royals outside of 2015 and 14, A's, they don't ever compete the Pirates. Um so it's just a, a credit to their staff and organization. I mean, if you look at their pitching, Shane McClanahan, I believe he's on his rookie deal. He's getting paid under a million dollars. He's 3-0 with a 1.59 ERA, 21 strikeouts, almost won the Cy Young last year. He's got amazing stuff. Jeffrey Springs, 2-0, hasn't given up a run. The Red Sox DFA'd him last year, two years ago, rather. Jeffrey Springs? They DFA'd him so they could pick up Hirokazu Sawamura. 
a reliever <laughs> that was 34 years old at the time, oh my and goodness. now he's back in Japan playing in their league. So they just that's that's how they operate. They they get guys that are undervalued. Tyler, this somehow circled to the Red Sox. I just want to this somehow circled to the I Red just, Sox. Yeah, I wanted to no, um, I'm, I'm highlight so how horrible their ownership is and how the Rays always mm-hmm. take advantage of organizations making mistakes and giving up on players. And then Rasmussen, I believe he's on his rookie deal as well. He's two and zero without giving up an earned run with 15 Ks. Um, so it's just impressive how they operate. Um, and to see them instead of being, you know, fight, trying to fight for the playoffs and you're know, trying to, you know, they're kind of like the last one to the bowl in that division where you got the, uh, you got the Red Sox and Yankees, you know, they're usually spenders. It's just kind of cool to see them, you know, not just fight for the playoffs, but kind of start to dominate the league. And obviously it's early. Are they going to dominate the league the entire year? Maybe not. Um, but it's cool to see them kind of in the driver's seat. I mean, there was a topic. So, uh, sorry, Tyler. I'll let you talk just a second. I just want to throw uh-huh. this out there real quick because I want both of you guys to hear this. There was a topic I saw on ESPN. I, I mean, this was, I, I believe it was on Twitter or Instagram I saw yesterday after the Rays had won. It was like, I mean, obviously the streak is going to end. I mean, we, we can't expect a 162-0 record. That's just not going to happen in the MLB. There's too many teams, too many games. So when does the streak end or do you see it ending soon? I guess is a question I want to throw out. Well, it's ending today at the hands of the Boston Red Sox. What's the score? Uh, I don't know. It was two to one when we started. Uh, the episode. Okay, we'll come back to you. We'll come back to you. <laughs> I mean, regardless, if that does happen, they still take three or four. I mean, so yeah, you're not doing much there. And they're still twelve and one after today's game. If if we you know look at that, but it is three to two Red Sox, bottom of the fifth, and the Rays have two men on with one out. So. <laughs> Yeah, I can see where that's going. Who's pitching? Just, I, just. Uh, I have no idea. Oh, okay. I was, just, I was just asking because we were talking a lot about the Red Sox pitchers. Corey Kluber is still in the game. Oh, Corey Kluber. Okay. He's still in. Four and a third. Two Opening day starter for the Red Sox. Seven strikeouts. Mm. Not bad. Not okay. a bad. Not a bad start for Kluber. Yeah. One out of every like five or six games he'll give you that. <laughs> well, I mean, when we talk about the Rays and the schedule, and I don't, I'm not going to be that guy that says. I'm not going to knock them for the schedule that they have so far. They no, can't control it, that. It's No, they can't control it, but there's people out there who are like, well, they've only played, you know, the Tigers, the A's, the Nationals. You know, these are bottom figu- bottom feeders in the league. But, I mean, it's twelve. It's baseball. You're 12-0. That's impressive no yeah. matter who you play. Yeah, I agree. Um, but I, I do think that they will uh, – I mean, it could be today, but I think once they face – Tougher competition, they they'll probably get a loss, but um, but I'm like I said, I'm not going to uh, discredit them at all. Yeah, and you know, we talked about this last night in the sports night. You 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 can't talk bad about the Rays right now with how they're playing, but the thing is, they became nine and zero on a three zero series win over the Tigers, Nationals, and A's, which may be the three worst teams in baseball. And that's the only that's the only knock you have on the Rays right now. And you know, it's kind of tough to look at their schedule and be like. Their best wins so far are the three they've gotten against Boston. You yeah. know, so yeah, I mean, th- those are good wins despite the Red Sox not looking super strong. I mean, the the thing that gets me with the Rays, I mean, you mentioned the run differential, but I mean, every single win they're twelve and zero. Every single win except for Monday's one nothing win over Boston has been by four or more runs. They just dominate. Yeah, they go crazy. out there and dominate their opposition. And like Tyler said, it's the Nats, it's the Tigers, the Red so- the Red Sox as well. Um, so. I don't think the domination will, will keep up, but I do think the winning will keep up. You know, I'm not I'm not saying they're gonna push for like the 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 01 Mariners record or the 2018 yeah. Red Sox or anything like that, but 
you know, if they won 9,500 games, would not be surprised at all. You know, we mentioned that last night on the sports night that this team could easily win 90 games. I think that's kind of, I mean, with this start and how well they've batted and pitched, I mean, they're going to get, they're going to get, uh, what's his name? Tyler Glasnow back. Yeah. They're going to get him back. So, I mean, I think that's kind of an expectation almost with how, I mean, I know it's very early, but that's kind of an expectation at this point to win that amount of, like, to win, to win big. Well, the only thing that could really stop them at this point is, uh, I guess, injuries, right? If yeah. you, you got a bunch of injuries with your core guys, especially with that pitching rotation, then it could be a problem. But also, it's baseball. You know, you go into slumps and, you know, you don't start playing well, and it happens. But I really think now the only way that they can be stopped is if something happened with their you know, I- injuries. And really the only season. two big injuries they've dealt with was Eflin and Glasnow. Mm-hmm. And, and both those guys should be coming back yeah. decently soon. They're not on the, well, they're not on the 60 I, I IL. Think, they're on I the think 10 IL. Yeah. Right? 15 or 10 I think Glasnow is supposed to return with him probably a couple weeks or a month or so. Okay. I, I, I didn't I mean, think it was that far he's out. He's very injury prone. He's coming off of a Tommy John surgery, which keeps him out for a year plus. And then in spring training, he didn't even, like, that's not the reason he's out. I think he injured his... Oblique or something? Mm. I don't, I, I'm not sure. How about Glasnow? Yeah. yeah. I, I'm pretty sure he's not out because of the Tommy John. He got back from his Tommy John and got and injured something else. So he's injury prone, but he's very talented. Yeah. And getting him back um, will just, I mean, it's already a very strong staff. But with, with young guys like Springs and Rasmussen, I mean, you never know how they you know, will fare in a 162-game season. But we've seen it out of Glasnow already. So if he can stay on the field, stay on the mound, he could be very deadly, and may I remind you, Tyler, he is a West Virginia power legend. There you go. <laughs> so we we so Aaron said that in passing last show, and we didn't really I explain. Did. So Aaron, you want to go ahead and explain yes. the story behind that? <laughs> yes. So um, you know, I'm from Hurricane, West Virginia, and that's about 20 minutes from Charleston. Charleston, when I was a kid, had a low A affiliate minor league team called the West Virginia Power. And Tyler's rolling his eyes yeah. here in the studio at this so, conversation. So my right thing now. with Tyler, the you know he's from New Jersey. I just like to remind him of how many legends have been through Charleston. Maybe not legends, but there's a <laughs> lot former players. Former to say players. The least. There's a lot of West Virginia connections, as you hear. There's always a West Virginia connection. So, um, you know, if if we mention a guy like Michael Brantley or Ryan Braun or Tyler Glass now or or, or O'Neill Cruz, starring Marte, guys like those, um, you might hear me say West Virginia power legend just to get under his skin. But now they are not a low A affiliate. Now, like they got cut off a couple years back because of Rod Man- Rob Manfred, um, and now they're an Atlantic League team called the Dirty Birds, and it's bad baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll be working as a media relations intern for a minor league baseball team named the Washington Wild Things this summer, and you know, um, baseball is different in the minor leagues, and right. we won't talk about this too much, but it's it's different in the minor leagues. You know, it's. Uh, it's a different it's a different vibe than going yeah. to an MLB game obviously even going to a college game there's there's a like you, if you think of the traditional way that an athlete goes to the pros you think high school college um pro you know yeah. and there I feel like there's like a disconnect between the minor leagues especially leagues that aren't affiliated like yeah. that aren't AAA or AA affiliates a- with the team the independence yeah, the, yeah that's the word I was looking for yeah. independent teams or yeah. leagues I feel like there's kind of a disconnect now, there you know isn't the wild things where you're going to work? That's Frontier League, right? Yeah, yeah. Frontier so League. Now, so it's different than the Atlantic League, but it is indie ball. It's independent baseball. And, yeah. you know, the good thing about the power, the, you know, they weren't always great. And there was a lot of, you know, guys that were very young, you know, 18, 19-year-olds. Um, but you got to see guys that had a lot of potential. 
um, you know, Julio Rodriguez, um, Jared Kelnick, and Logan Gilbert in the one year that the Power had the Mariners affiliate. Um, you know, they gave us good players, and to see those guys and. J-Rod was like 18 at the time. Hold on real quick. They were an affiliate of the Mariners? Yeah, for their last year before getting cut off. So when I was a younger kid. Who made that decision? I, Who thought I, that I was? I have no idea. <laughs> Charles in West Virginia to Seattle, Washington. It made no sense, especially because it was the Pirates and Brewers before that. But it was, it was cool to see these guys that are you know, maybe new to the country um, yeah. and, and, and kind of highly touted guys or maybe not highly touted guys, but then along the way they became highly touted because of the way they played. But when you go to Atlantic League ball, you know, there's a couple nice little stories of guys getting contracts and making it up. But for the most part, it's either guys that got cut while in the minors um, or former major leaguers that don't want to hang it up. And so, you know, to each their own, you know, not ha- not hammering on it, but it's it's it was not my type of baseball, um, especially like watching guys like, like Logan Morrison. That guy was like a 12 or 13-year MLB vet. And he would play in Charleston. I scored a couple games where he was in Charleston. And, man, guys would get kicked out, like, every night. They didn't like a call. <laughs> well, okay, who cares? I'm not going to get suspended by the MLB. Yeah. And, you know, I'm not – you know, they're not thinking, hey, I'm in AAA about to get caught up. You know, they're an independent ball, so they, they'll just go off and they'll take their sweet time, uh, you know, walking back to the, the showers. So it was a little frustrating. But, you know, I, yeah, I, I, hope, I hope Washington can treat you – um, I hope hopefully the baseball is just a little bit better. I mean, they are, they are historically a good team, and I mean, same with the with the uh, Dirty Birds. Excuse me, I was about to say West Virginia Power, but the Wild Things have shown good baseball. But hopefully, it'll be better. But um, anyways, to round this conversation off a little bit, you know, we're gonna circle back to the Rays here and twelve and zero. They're down to the Red Sox, I believe, still right now. And you know, they've they've been a good team. You know, is there any final thoughts you guys have before we move on to the last part of our show? Because we got some we got some fun stuff ahead here at the end of the show. All right, I'm good. They're All right. they're talking about the Rays. Yeah. I Anything mean, else about the Rays? They're nine and zero at the Trop. I mean, the place is a dump. I guess. I guess. <laughs> I guess. I guess the visitors probably don't get treated very. I mean, their locker room and clubhouse is probably not the nicest. So I think the Rays can take advantage of that. I think they'll be really good at Tropicana Field the rest of the year. Yeah, home field advantage. That's a thing in every sport. So, um, but now I I hinted to you guys about a special topic I had before the show. And I said that I was going to bring it up to you. It's not really controversial, but it's something to speculate about, I suppose. So I was um, this morning in my 8 a.m. class, which is rough, by the way. Um, I <laughs> I was scrolling through MLB.com, see some news stories, anything maybe that would be fitting to bring up for the show. And I saw an article titled, Will These Sluggers Join the 500 Home Run Club? And it was a group of names, I mean, some very talented names in this group. And I've, I'm, I'm going to go through the top five here. And I want to hear uh, hear your guys' opinions. I know many of these guys, a couple of them are pretty close. I mean, within a couple, within a hundred or so home runs, and one of them is a young gun named Juan Soto for the San Diego Padres. Mm. So uh, I'll go through the list here, uh, talk about their age, their career number of home runs, and I, I just want to get your guys' opinion. Uh, so the first on the list is Mike Trout. He is at 353 career home runs, age 31. He's still in a deal through 2030. So that's something that's notable for him. I don't see a reason other than injuries why he couldn't do it, but I'll get your guys' opinions too. Uh, Juan Soto, age 24, he already has 128 career home runs, and they, on ESPN here, or MLB.com, excuse me, they have his career home run at 128, and they have him second on the list. Um, Nolan Arenado just got his 300th. He's up to 301 now. He just got that a few days ago at Bush Stadium. That was an awesome moment for him. He is age 32 and still on con. He just renewed his contract 
Uh, he opted in for the next two or three years, I believe, to his Cardinals contract. So there's still some time there for him and his career, of course. Uh, Giancarlo Stanton is next at 381 career home runs, age 33. And rounding out the top five is Bryce Harper with 285 home runs at the age of 30. So out of that list of guys, you know, this is just a fun topic I wanted to talk about with you guys because it kind of sparked my mind a little bit. You know, somebody like Trout, you, we've seen him miss seasons due to injury. I shouldn't say whole season, but we've seen him miss big parts of seasons for injury. And we've seen him crush the baseball whenever he does play. And he already has this season. So, I mean, what do you guys think of this list? Um, well, I, when you talk about Trout, it just, like you said, it comes down to if the rest, he's 31, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yep. It just comes down to if if he can play a hundred and, I don't know, 145 games or more a year, he can 100% do that, 100%, because when he plays all the time, he's the best hitter out there. Mm-hmm. Um, another one that I can probably say 100% sure he'll hit 500 is Nolan Arenado because he's hands down has been the most consistent power hitter and just I think overall hitter for the past how I don't know nine ten years I mean I remember this was last semester I believe mm-hmm. you and I like we talked about his career stats at the apartment mm-hmm. and you know uh, I, b- I believe you said he's hit over 30 home runs every season except for one Right? Yeah, something crazy like it that. It was really yeah. crazy. It was a really crazy yeah. stat, so I definitely see I definitely agree mm-hmm. with you on that. Mm-hmm. Aaron, what do you think of this list? Um, Mike Trout, I'm gonna go yes. Um he's had a lot of injuries and I mean if if he were to play 140, 145 games for let's just say like eighty percent of the rest of his career, yeah. I mean he's gonna mm-hmm. get it without question. He's the best player on the field. He's got an ama- an amazing swing. But there's gonna be more injuries there, um, especially when he's older. But I you know, with his big deal and with how good he is um, and how I don't think that swing will go away. I do think he'll play up until he's 39 or 40. And because of that, yes, I think he'll get 500. Uh, what were the other ones you said? Arenado and Soto? Uh, Bryce Harper, Soto, Arenado, um, and Stanton were the five. So I'm going to go no with Harper just because of injuries. I mean, he's been injured before. He's injured, injured right now. Yeah, he's got an arm injury. I'm going to go. He's going to come up short. Um, Arenado, I'm going to go no as well. Um, I think he'll get close, 470, 480. But, I mean, he does have pop in his bat, but, like, he's such a complete player. I love Arenado, and I'm not, you know, degrading him at all. But, you know, I think of him as, you know, he's got a great bat, but, you know, his defense is his best part of his game. And while he's got such a good bat, he's got power in his bat. Obviously, 30 home runs a year most of his career is good. Um, But at the end of his career, I think maybe he'll decline a little bit or, you know, have some injuries. Um, and it's going to be hard for him to get the ball over the fence. Um, what do you think about Stanton, Tyler? Um, hmm. I had, that, that one's another tricky one. Yeah, he can. He's already age thirty-three, which that's tough. You know. Yeah, I, I, I think he'll probably come up just a. I don't say a little. He'll come up short because if he didn't get hurt, you know, in the past as much he, uh, as much as he has, um, you know, I, I think he'd be in pretty good shape. But you know, on top of the injuries and also he it's either with him you know he's hitting a home run or he's striking out you know it's a kind of a tough guy to two outcome guy you know yeah two outcome guy um but i i do think he'll come up a little short i really don't see him hitting 500 home runs maybe maybe in the what is he at now 300 some uh let me pull it let me scroll down there again he is at 381 I I could see him getting uh, 470, 480. 
381, yeah. I mean, I can see it happening. I mean, he's going to really have to, you know, reach back and get that longevity factor in. Yeah. Because not everybody, oh, it's very hard to be so good and so durable to where you play till you're 39 and 40. Mm-hmm. And I can just see Trout being one of those guys. And I, I'm not sure about Stanton, but, man, he, I mean, what did you say, 381 already? Yeah, 381. And he's, he's, got, that, he's got that power swing. I, I can see it happening even if there's an injury or two down the line. He's just got to make sure he, you know, um, you know, plays till he's, you know, what, 36 or 37. And I think he can definitely get it. It seems like the – do you have something to say, sorry? Well, no, I was just going to say, I don't think I said anything about Juan Soto. For yeah. him, I mean, the sky's the limit. When you look at his past stats – he he hits for average, and he doesn't really. I think um, only what maybe once or twice he's hit over thirty home runs in the year. But when I think of Juan Soto, I don't think of necessarily a power hitter. I just think of someone who hits for average, and he's just you know a, a high on base percentage. That's what he's mm-hmm. known for. Yeah. Um, I guess you I don't necessarily think of Soto as a. I mean, he bombs, of course. Yeah, but he does. But he's, first thing, he's yeah. got it. I mean, he's he's such a good contact guy, but he's. He's such a complete player. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. a complete mm-hmm. hitter, rather. He's he's a terrible fielder. Um, <laughs> horrible fielder. He should be yeah. a DH permanently. Um, but he is just the complete player. He He's average. He's on base. He gets so many walks. Um, I believe his average is down a little bit right now. But, I mean, let's get real. It's going to get back up. Mm-hmm. But he's got a powerful swing. Mm-hmm. Um, so when he gets a hold of one and when a pitcher makes a mistake, um, you know, he can send it over the fence. And what? How many homers did you say he has right now? One hundred and twenty-eight, and he's only twenty-four years old. Yeah, I mean, he's only been he's a, he hasn't been in the league for like ten years. Yeah, right? yeah, years, yeah something he, like that. Give me, give me yes on one Soto because of how much he he's debuted done. when he was nineteen, so he's yeah. been in the league for yeah. five years. He has a lot of time. Won a World Series a in his second year, which is his first full season. It wasn't his rookie season, mm-hmm. but his, his first time playing the whole one hundred sixty-two. Um, uh, give me yes because of how much he's done in such little time before he's 25. I think it's ridiculous. I do so think important. there'll be a little bit of a, a, not a decline, but you know, with with the you know being on the Padres and he's going to command a lot of money when he gets that money. I think maybe he'll fall short of it a little bit, but he's still going to be a superstar for years to come. And so I'm going to go yes on Soto. It seems like the common theme between all three of us is that a lot of this is going to depend on longevity and injuries. And I think that that, that really hangs in the balance if you're going to decide something like this. Yeah. And I think to, to MLB.com's point a little bit, some of the rationale that they have, because they basically gave a reason why all five of these guys could do it. And I'm not going to read into each one, but a lot of the reason was that a lot of them just signed contracts. Besides Soto, because he's in a short deal with the Padres, isn't he? Yeah, he's going to hit the free agent market, I believe, after the season, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. a lot of these guys, like Harper especially, Trout is still in a long deal. Stanton is halfway through a 13-year deal. Yeah. So the, the rationale that MOB was basically giving is that a lot of these guys are in long contracts and have a chance to play for a team for a long time. So, um, And I guess Soto, his rationale is just that he's 24 years old with right. 128 home runs. That is just absolutely insane. Well, that point reminds me of Albert Pujols, and it's hard to compare because Pujols is truly one of the game's best. I mean, mm-hmm. he's one of the very few people um, to hit 3,000 hits and 500 home runs, um, and, and he's just a spectacular talent. But, you know, if you look at his deal with the Angels, they gave him so much money for so many years, and, like, that was not a good deal at all. No. They, did, they did not win with him. Now, that's part of that's on the Angels, but, like, he was not good for the Angels. He was not some star player that he was supposed to be. But that doesn't change the fact that he played all of those years, um, and he was himself all of those years to where 
you know, he didn't fold when he was 36, 37, 38. He played up until he's, what, 41 or so or something like that. I think he was 41 last yeah. season. And yeah. even when that long deal with, with Anaheim, you know, expired, he had two more years in him, went with the Dodgers and came back to St. Louis. So, you know, longevity is pretty much everything. So This it, means something to me, yeah. man. <laughs> he, hey, he was great his last year with St. Louis. It, it, it reminded me of Poppy's last season. I mean, just like, yeah. it's like man, they're old. They've already announced their retirement plans, and yet this is still like a really good season. If they were to play another one, they could do it again. They hit like a lot of people. Did he had twenty twenty one home runs. Yeah, I think he had over twenty. Yeah, that's amazing. And a lot of people were like, "Play again, play another year." And he's like, "I already decided. I'm hanging it up. I already, you know, I already made that decision." That's the same thing with Ortiz. Like in his 2016 season, that was that was one of his best seasons. He was an All Star. Um, He had. 38 home runs in his last season. That's, that's, that's crazy. Uh, he was 40 years old. Let's see what what um 127 RBIs. Oh my. That that was that was like the third most in his career. Uh, <laughs> that was his last season. So you know, I don't know. That that reminded me of Pujols. Um, you know, you got me thinking about Pujols now. Uh, let me pull up the Cardinals from last season because I want to look at his batting stats. He had 24 home runs. To your point. Uh, 68 RBIs. He batted 270. It's not a bad bad no. stat for and a 41 year old. And you got to think about. It. I'm pretty sure they only put him in the game when there was a certain pitching matchup, right? right? Depending on righty or lefty. Yeah. So, so he didn't play every day, and he, he still would he would right. start occasionally. Like, uh, let's see. It might say his game started. So he played in only 109 games. Yeah. I mean, he's amazing. missing almost 60 games there, and he batted 270 with 24 home runs. And, I mean, and in today's age, you know, hitting home runs like that and batting 270 that that is absolutely fine by by a normal major league ball player standard in today's MLB. But yeah. for a 41-year-old, yeah. that's, you know, DHing, and he's getting the day off if it's righty-righty probably. Mm-hmm. For, well, for at least some of the times, at least one out of the three games, he would probably get. And sometimes they'd pinch hit him. Right. So, so that was very impressive, and it was really cool to see. Couldn't happen to a better guy. He's, he's one of the uh, oh, best yeah. personalities to come through baseball in the 2000s, in my opinion. Definitely, and you know, I think it's that that St. Louis effect. He had to come back to the card, you know, and wear that bats that bird on bat. Yeah, that again. was really really tough to watch him wearing Dodger blue. That was really weird. It was yeah, weird. yeah. Our professor Tyler and I have a, a sports marketing class on Mondays and Wednesdays, and our professor pulled up a very cursed photo of Albert Pujols in a Dodgers <laughs> jersey from a couple of years back. Yeah. So that that was weird to uh, see. It's like Ken Griffey Jr. wearing a White Sox jersey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just it just don't look right. Yeah. Patrick Ewing on the Supersonics. And oh know. yeah. <laughs> Jerry Rice on the Seahawks. Ew, <laughs> stop it. That didn't happen. That's a fun fact. For Willie you Mays on the Mets. Hank Aaron on the Brewers. We can go all day. With yeah. This. this is literally all day. Uh, but to wrap up the show, you know, we've we've gotten an hour and fifteen minutes here now for our tradition here at the Dirty Jersey Podcast. We're gonna give out our weekly awards. We have three awards that we give out every week. Uh, first off, the Golden Arm Award for the Best Pitcher of the Week, the Wheelhouse Award for our Best Batter, and the Bright Lights Award for our Best Team. Uh, I will go first, and we're going to start off with Golden Arm. I picked Tyler McGill for the New York Mets. He has a 3-0 record on the season um, and 13 strikeouts and a 2.25 ERA. But I want to zoom in a little further on what he's done in the last week, which is he's 2-0. He's gotten two wins in both his starts. He has a 1.64 ERA, only six strikeouts, but a perfect one whip um, and a 1.62 opponent batting average. So he's had a great week, and I think you could debate that he's been the best starter for the Mets since Scherzer's gotten a little knocked around sometimes. So uh, that's my golden arm of the week, Tyler McGill for the Mets. Uh, Tyler, what do you got? Um, I have Sonny Gray from the Twins. 
Um, so th- this past week he's two and zero with a sub one ERA. Um, and uh, he's striking out guys, and the 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 real reason for that is he's got a huge pitching arsenal. He has he's got six pitchers, and all of them really revolve around movement. He's not a power pitcher, you know. And the the pitch he throws the most is his curveball, and that's what you know he's been. That's why he's been uh, successful to uh, this point. And um, yeah, I specifically watched him in his uh, last start, mm-hmm. and he was doing great. Yeah, and, you know, I told you we were walking back from class, and I told Tyler that they just took out Sonny Gray after he struck out the side, but yeah. he was up to like ninety five or some pitches. I he I think he definitely could have gone further. He has great stuff. Yeah, he does. Um, but yeah, that's my golden arm of the week. Yeah, I like my boy Sonny Gray. He gave me a ball at the 2015 All-Star <laughs> Game. And then the funny that's part... That's a weird connection. I didn't yeah, know, yeah, he did. And the funny thing was people were like lined up trying to get his autograph. So he handed me the ball, and my brother was next to me. Shout out to my brother Andrew. And he... Um, Sonny Gray completely like went the other way. Um, so my brother did not get an autograph, and I got a ball. So, <laughs> hey, but it's okay because Matt Holiday. Uh, threw us a ball and it, and it went to Andrew. So nice. Sonny Gray is 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 one of my favorites. Uh, Yankees legend Sonny Gray. Yeah, well, I don't you, know about that one. You guys boot him off the mound about every time. So <laughs> yeah, he, he wasn't too good for us, but I'm I'm happy to see that he's doing well now. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's, he's done really well nice in the Twins see. this season. Yep. Yes. Mm-hmm. So for my golden arm, I'm gonna go. I'm not gonna go with some underground pitcher or somebody that is under the radar. I'm gonna go with Shohei Otani. Um, yeah, of course. To see what he's been doing. I mean, you know. At the plate, he's batting 300, three homers with eight RBIs, um, and what he's doing on the mound. Opening day, six innings pitched, two hits, no earned runs. I get it, it's the A's. And his latest start, I get it, it's the Nationals. But seven innings, one hit, no runs, six Ks. At the Mariners, who are a pretty good lineup, six innings, three hits, one earned. To do what he does and have the pitching arsenal that he does and the speed that he does in his pitching um, and what he can do at the plate, he's such a unicorn. Uh, you can't replicate him. Um, it's just amazing to see what he's doing for the game of baseball, what he did in the World Baseball Classic. But I don't know. I, I thought maybe, you know, he walks guys, and he's walked walked guys. This he was frustrated at himself. Yeah. In his last start on the, to the media, he said, I, I, I got to get those walks down, or yeah. his first start, excuse me. And and that's what he does. He's walked guys this year, too. But, I mean, I didn't think, I don't know. I, I didn't think he'd get off to such a hot start as he did last year just because, it's so hard to be so good at, at both sides of the plate. I mean, he's got a 0.47 ERA with a 0.95 WHIP. It's crazy. And he's, he's 2-0. So you know, I, I don't want to ignore him just because he gets so much publicity. I think I think he needed a shout out on the show. I agree. And then you know, to your point, I have a li- I have a little fun fact here about Shohei Otani written down. He set an Angels franchise record by allowing two or fewer runs in his tenth consecutive start. Man. And that passed the previous mark set by Nolan Ryan wow. in 1972-73 to 73 season. He's so special. So he that's just so to your special. point that he is a unicorn, man. Oh, he, you can't replicate him, and you'll never be able to re- replicate him unless unless Japan keeps you know producing players like that. <laughs> they have a lot of talent over there, but to yeah. get a guy like Otani. We saw that in the World Baseball Classic. Yeah. They have so much talent, but, I mean, a guy like Otani, I, I don't know if that will ever be replaced. But I, I think because of him – down the road in the next, I don't know how many years. I'm not going to give a specific number. You, I think we might see a little bit of an uptick of players who do want to be a two-way player, and yeah. it's not, it's not an easy thing to do at all. You know, it, it, it takes some, uh, 
wear and tear on the body. Absolutely. You know? But I think you'll see more of those kind of players, which would be cool. I agree. I think we're seeing them more in the college baseball landscape, too. Yeah. I'm not sure the, the, the kid's name, but, I mean, looking at, like, the D1 baseballs, like, uh, you know, best players and, like, whether Holt was at the, the, the best second baseman. But, like, they had a pitcher from Florida who was on their list for one of the best pitchers as well as, like, one of the best – I don't know if he was DHing or playing left field or something like that. There's just a lot of guys in the college landscape. There's one uh, one of Oklahoma State's players that the Mountaineers are going to face uh, this week is a, a a dual sport, not dual sport, but a dual position. Um, so I do believe we'll see more of it. But to do it in the MLB with the best of the best, you might see some you know some failed attempts. Maybe yeah. I'm not saying he failed, but like like a guy like Mike Lorenzo for the Reds, he tried both. Um, but n- no one will do it as good as show. Nobody, and, that, and no. that's why we need to just soak it in and enjoy, enjoy yeah. it every time, and, and to watch you know the movement on his pitches and 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 his swing in the same game, it's so special. So to move on to our next award, we have the Wheelhouse Award. And for me, you know, we talked about him and his cycle again. Uh, um, excuse me, for the Marlins on Tuesday, it's Luis Arias, and he has the MLB's best batting average, of course, at 500. He has 23 hits on the season, only four strikeouts. He did that cycle with a double, triple home run and a single in that order. And he, I mean, he won the batting title in the AL last season. He started out this season so red hot. So I got to pick him this week for me. Uh, for me, I'm going to pick Pete Alonzo. Mm, yeah. Um, he's hands down. Well, I don't say hands down. The, the Mets do have a group of good hitters, but I do think he's probably their best one. He doesn't have the best batting average on the team, but he does currently, it, it could have changed because there's games playing now, but mm-hmm. um, before we started this podcast, yesterday he got the MLB uh, lead for the home run. Yeah, with, with six. six, right? Six, yeah. yep. Um, but this past week he's been hitting well over 340, five home runs and 10 RBIs. He's just been an absolute machine. And um, on top of that, I mean, he leads the Mets with home runs and RBIs and slugging percentage and OPS. But uh, like I said, he's just been an absolute monster for them. And you know, they—I think they're sitting at seven and six right now. Yeah, seven like and that. six. And they really, as a as a team, they've been hitting terrible. And I think if he didn't do what he's doing, I think they probably would be sliding down a little more in the NL East and, you know, they're in second place right now. Uh, but he's definitely helped them kind of, you know, keep that second spot. Yeah, that's a good afloat. pick. Pete's a, Pete's a very good leader for that Mets team. I mean, when you get big names like Scherzer and Verlander and, and you give so much money to Lindor, I mean, it, it's just really cool to see Pete. In my opinion, I think he's the leader of that team. Mm-hmm. I think he goes out and does it, you know, every day. He's been doing it since, what, 2018 or something like that. I like that pick. For me, personally, I'm going to go with an AL East player. I'm going to go Matt Chapman of the Blue Jays. He is tearing the cover off the ball right now. 489, second best batting average in the MLB behind only Luis Arias. Um, three home runs on the season, but three of those, like all three of those homers are in the last four games. Very impressive, 15 RBIs as well. Just very, very much caught me off guard. Like he's He's been a pretty good hitter over the past few years, but – you know, he hits like 250 and 260, and he did that with the A's too. Wonderful defend, uh, defender at third base. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, normally in the past, he's only really known for his defense. And, right. You know, this is kind of the year where he's shown everyone that he can hit the ball. Yeah, he's got an amazing glove, so I, yeah. I really did not see that coming. Um, it's cool to see him do that with such a cool team in the Blue Jays, uh, in the Blue Jays and watching um, you know, their fans come out to the newly renovated Rogers Center and see him do that 
at the Rogers Center is cool. I mean, that place, man, they put $300 million in renovations this past year. They moved the the walls. The walls are very funky now, um, but it's got more personality to it. Like, the walls before were, they were all... Just very bland and tall. Yeah, and, everything yeah, was the same. Everything good. was 10 feet, the the yeah. whole rent. And, and that gives you a cookie-cutter vibe, you know, the 1970s and, and 80s stadiums where everything's the same all the way around. So they renovated that, uh, put a ton more, like, you know, club seats and, and, and put seats near the bullpen and put a bunch of different restaurants out in center field and left mm-hmm. field uh, and right field. So that that's cool to see, and it's cool to see Chapman um, kind of stepping up when, you know, they have guys like Springer, Guerrero, and Bichette that are like, you know, everybody expects them to do it. I didn't really expect Matt Chapman to be the one doing it. I don't know how long that's going to last, though. Yeah, yeah, you don't know exactly how long. But for my Bright Lights Award, to finish up the last group of awards we have, I picked the Arizona Diamondbacks. And that might be an under-the-radar pick, but I do have some, some stats to back it up for you guys. They have won, they won three games in a four-game series against the Dodgers. They won two out of three versus the Brewers. They lead the NL West at eight and five as of right now. There may be games going on or games finishing up, but they ha- they have ways to back it up. You know they've won. They've had four games with over six runs scored out of their last seven. They have the league best batting average over the last week, which is .298, and they also have the most hits over the last week with 72, tied only with the Colorado Rockies. So the Diamondbacks have done some good stuff in the last week, and I think they're my bright light. Um, I'm gonna pick the Braves. And uh, I think the funny thing about them is, you know, they have Spencer Strider, and we all know how good he is. But when you look at the rest of the... My golden arm of the week last week. Yeah, and when you look at the rest of the the rotation, you know, they haven't done too well. But he's the kind of guy, he keeps it simple. I'm pretty sure he only throws, like, three pitches, you know, and he's that classic power pitcher. He's got the fastball and... You know, it's working out for him, but he's really been their main guy with their pitching, you know, their anchor on that rotation. Because, like I said, the rest of that rotation really hasn't it hasn't been terrible, but, I mean, it hasn't been anything like Spencer Strider at all. Now, the reason why they're they've, they're first in the NL, I think they're 9-4 and four in the NL East right now, is uh, they're hitting. Yeah, they just won yesterday, 9-4, yeah. yep. And a uh, big part of that is Matt Olson. He's been killing the ball. Mm-hmm. Pretty sure he leads the team and I think home runs and RBIs. Um, and then on top of that, you have Ronald Cooney Jr., who's been hitting for average. I mean, he's hitting, I think, in like the 350s or something like that. It's, it's, I mean, he's getting on base a lot. Yeah. Um, and then when you look at the, the hitting stats in the NL, uh, they're just about top five in just about everything. So they're getting a lot of production on their offensive side. You know, I, I think in order for them to really become a dominant team, they got to work work out on their pitching a little bit. You know, you can't really rely on one guy like Spencer Strider to do everything for you. So, once they get that part of the uh, their team figured out, I really think they have a complete team. And to your point, Acuna is batting three seventy so far oh, okay. this season. I was, I was so you, it a little bit. I mean, you were right that he's been yeah. batting really well, but Olsen's been batting two ninety four with a team best five home runs. So, yeah. to your point, they've. The batting has been really mm-hmm. well about all those two. So, Aaron, who do you got for your bright lights? So it's so hard not to, you know, just pick the the Rays. But where we dissected them and broke them down, I'm, uh, I wanted to go with somebody a little bit more surprising. So I'm going to go with the Twins. I mean, they're eight and four, and that just I don't know. I did not see that coming. Did not think much about them. And they've been dealing with a little bit of injuries too. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll get I'll get into that in a second with Iron Buxton. But I, you know, I I didn't think anything about them outside of Carlos Correa. Where they got him, and they're paying him six years, two hundred million. After 
all those contracts fell through and all that. Um, and he's hitting sub 200, and he's got two RBIs on this season. So it's it's a young season, but he's not been very good. But they've had other guys. They've had Byron Buxton hit 302 with two homers, five ribbies, but, man, he's back on the I.L. That guy, man, he just can't stay healthy. Um, if he stays healthy, man, he's unstoppable. He's so good. He's so fast. He's got pop in his bat now, and so that sucks to see. But they've got other guys. Christian Vasquez hitting 320 at the catcher position. Sonny Gray, like we already mentioned, 2-0. and um, Sub-1 ERA, 19 Ks. Trevor Warnack's been good, 283 with eight ribbies. Um, and I like some of their wins. You know, to open the year, they swept the Royals, which is not impressive. The Royals are like 2-7. and seven. Um, But they beat the Astros 2 out of 3. I believe one of those games got postponed, so it was supposed to be a four-game set. But 2 out of 3 is pretty impressive for me, and then they beat the White Sox 2 out of 3. So I did not think they'd be sitting at 8-4 and four at this point in the season. Well, going back to Byron Buxton real quick, um, I think I told Aaron this, but I don't know if you know about this, Zach. When you look at his uh, Byron Buxton, his overall, you know, the years that he's spent in the major leagues, I'm pretty sure he's only had one year where he's played over 100 games. One year. Wow. Uh, yeah. And he's almost played we've 10 years in the league. I mean, we've seen great glimpses from him, too. Yeah. Like, we've mm-hmm. seen great performances, great home runs. I mean, I always see that clip of him uh, – Smashing a ball and then clapping his hand yeah. real hard at the, a at the dugout. The walk a off. Yeah. So I mean, we've seen so many glimpses from Bucks, and we just need him to, like you said, put together and, a whole season. And on top of that, I'm, I, I, I might have the date wrong, but I think they're paying him until like 2028, 20, and it's like 15 million dollars a year. Wow. And he hasn't, like I said, he's barely on the field. You know what I mean? It's a little yeah. rough there. And the Twins just paid Correa as well. So. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, seven years, $100 million is his contract. I don't know what year that was signed in, but he's making close to $15 million a year, and he's just so injury-prone, man. He He's always it, – it's tough because I don't want to see that to anybody, and I know he's he's such a good player, but, like, the injury he sustained the other day, it's just like, man, it seems like an injury that would only happen to him. He's kind of running and got tangled up, but, man, he got tangled up really bad and fell bad. Yeah. That was a really bad collision. Yeah, and yeah. it's just something you don't see very often, and, you know, you hate to see it, but hopefully hopefully it's just a short stint, and hopefully he's not out for, for a month or more. Um, you know, Twins fans have to hold their breath every time he, he kind of slides. So <laughs> yeah. that's, that's just the reality of it, but when he's on the field, he's really, really good. So we are done here with the second week of the MLB season. We also covered some West Virginia baseball, and they – well, oh, Aaron's got something else for me. I was about to sign off. Aaron, Sorry. what do you got? I, Go I have an update. The Rays are now up eight to three. I, okay, I so the Rays Sox. will be <laughs> the Rays will be thirteen and zero most likely <laughs> <laughs> before before this podcast. I expected the Red Sox to be losing when we're done with this, but not eight to three. Yeah, that, that's a rough. That's a rough. Corey Kluber ended up. With I'm glad four. you stopped me for that. That yeah. was that was good. Kluber <laughs> ended up with four earned runs, and then they brought in Richard Blyer, and he gave up four himself. So <laughs> there oh you boy. go. You, you, yeah. You're going to be glad that series is over. Get us out of St. Pete. Get oh, us out yeah. of right now. Anyways, I'm going to sign us off here for the Dirty Jersey Podcast. My, I was your host, Zach Anderson, joined by co-host Tyler Persina and Aaron Parker. This podcast is set to come out on Friday at 6 a.m. at all on all platforms, and we will be looking forward to talking to you all next week whenever we record. We'll, uh, this has been the Dirty Jersey Podcast, and we'll see you then.